Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. We have been walking through Romans chapter 8, and we will continue over the next few weeks, but it is a series that I believe that if you get in your heart, if you get the truth of this word in your heart, it will transform form you. And so the title of it is uh, a bit of a long title. I can't say uh, the team wanted me to title it this long, but I did anyway. And so this is the title of this, of this series, and I want us to read it together. Come on. So it's called Living the No Condemnation, Spirit-Filled, Power-Infused, More Than a Conqueror. If God is for me, who can be against me? Supernatural. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord kind of life. Sounds like a pretty good life doesn't it? That's good. And so, so today though, this particular passage we're looking at is about really, truly you anchoring your life to the hope that is to come. And I titled this, this message today, Hope is Not a Wish, It's a Guarantee. We live, we live our English language when you say, boy, I hope something happens. What you're meaning is you don't know if it will or not. But that is not the biblical understanding of hope. God wants you to have hope and to be saturated in the sureness of who he is in the future, what he's promised. As a believer of Jesus Christ, you just don't have a, a wish. You have a hope that is a guarantee of what will come in the future. And so as we lean into this today, I want you to be filled with an absolute unwavering certainty about what is coming because of the incredible work of Jesus Christ. As children of God, we have some guarantees. They are incredible guarantees. We haven't seen all of them yet, but we will eventually. And so right now, God doesn't want us focused on what we're overwhelmed with by what we don't know because there's a lot of that. We don't know what's happening in the world. We don't know what's going to go on in our world. It's very difficult to be like, yep, I know exactly. You don't. There's a lot we don't know. But as a child of God, instead of being overwhelmed by what you don't know, I just want to challenge you today that you can actually be overwhelmed by who God is and with the hope that you have as a child as a, of God, as a part of his family, there's a certainty regardless of what's happening in your world, in your life, in our world, in our nation, around you or in you or to you, you are not hopeless because you have an assurance, according to scripture, that is a guarantee that God is working on your behalf and God's going to do something in your future that is going to be an incredible redemptive work and it's coming and you can have hope. And in Romans 8, we get into this passage that speaks of creation, it speaks of humankind, but it speaks of a hope for both creation and humankind that I'll be talking about today. So let's get right into this. Romans chapter 8, 18 through 25. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And I'll talk about that through this message. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, so speaking of humans, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship. Very important, and we'll talk about that. The redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Whose hope, who hopes for what they already have, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Paul is talking about something to come. Paul is talking about we are living in a world where there's groanings of the earth, the planet, 
There's groanings also of us. What does this mean? What is this hope that Paul is talking about? And when we understand salvation according to the Bible, and I, and I want you to, and that's why the whole beginning of chapter, um, chapter 8 was about our, our identity in Christ. But we need to understand that there are, we are in a, a process of salvation. I know that sounds a bit strange, but there are actually... There are actually phrases throughout Scripture that help us understand the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, just not what was or what is, but what is to come. So we have these three phrases. Um, the first one is, is this, we have been saved. So as you look in Scripture, you, you see this, we have been saved. So when you give your life to Jesus, you are saved. So you have been saved. That is the term of justification. It's a theological term, justification. One way of understanding what that means is you have been saved, and when you, when you have been saved, it is you were justified. In other words, God sees you just as if I'd never sinned. That's what that means. You are justified. You are clean. You were cleansed. You have been adopted, and you are standing before God in full right accounts with him. The second phrase is this. We are being saved. Well, I thought we were saved. We were, but we are also being saved. This is about our sanctification. This is about us, I, I, us being conformed to the image of Jesus. I'm pretty sure nobody here has reached Jesus' status yet. Have you? Anyone? No one? Regardless of what your spouse said, they have not reached Jesus' status, okay? They haven't. Nobody has. But we are being saved that we are being formed and worked into the image of Jesus Christ while we're on this earth. And that redemption is, is so important for us to understand. You, you have been saved. You are being saved. So we're still working out. We're, we're still asking God to work in us and transform us and change us. But also, there's this phrase that comes out of Romans 5 that speaks about our redemption. We shall be saved. So what Paul is saying here, is that there is, there is something to come, and this is what's called our glorification. So you have justification, sanctification, and then your, your glorification. There's going to come a day when the full redemption of Jesus Christ, you're going to taste it and see it and fully experience it. But what Paul's saying is you may be suffering. You may be going through some difficult times, which Jesus said we would. It might be physically financially, occupationally, relationally, might be within your family. And there are all kinds of suffering. And, and I, I, don't, I don't think that I know all the types of sufferings. But I know this, whether you're here or online, we're suffering. We're going through things. We're struggling with things in our everyday life. But what God is saying through Paul is this, regardless of where you're suffering, regardless of what you're going through, God wants you to know, do not give up hope because there is a guarantee that is coming that regardless of this present suffering, it cannot be compared to what I'm going to do in your life in the future. And that's what we need to fix our eyes on. It's so important that we understand that this world that we live in is not our final resting place. This isn't home. The body that you have right now, it's not your final home. And it's important, we need to set right expectations as we walk out our, our journey with God that if we think this earth is our home and this body is our home, listen, you're gonna be disappointed because you'll wake up in the morning and you'll be like, ow, I don't feel very good, or this hurts or that hurts. You're gonna see things in the earth. You're like, what, what's going on? Well, it's because this isn't our home. But Paul clarifies as he said this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. So what is that glory? And that's what I want to talk to you today about. God is going to finally put an end to the effects of sin in our lives, in our world, even on this physical earth. And God, because he's a God of his word, is going to renew all things. This is what Paul's talking about. It's going to be awesome, and he wants you to have hope that you can set your sights on what is to come. And so, therefore, whatever you're going through now, it doesn't compare to what God's going to do in your life then. And so we need to have an unwavering conviction. Because, listen, we need to have an unwavering conviction that 
though things seem to be difficult right now, though you may be going through difficulties personally, that you need to know this, this is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. This is where your hope comes in. Many times Christians um, think, you know, listen, you're a Christian, everything's gonna be great. I'm never, gonna, I'm never gonna suffer, I'm never gonna go through things now that I'm following Jesus. That's just not true. But being a Christian anchors you to something in the future, come hell or high water, God is gonna meet you and be faithful to his word because you are in his family and he's gonna take care of you. So people are fascinated with what is bad, what is wrong, what's bad about the future. Listen, you as a Christian, you need to know you, God wants you to be full of hope of what is to come. And this passage gives us a glimpse into the fully encapsulating, holistic, beautiful, powerful, reaching power of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives and what we will experience fully one day. So what is the hope, which is also a guarantee for the future? And I want to lean into this passage and walk this through with you. Number one, the hope and guarantee for the future, all of creation will be renewed. A lot of Christians don't realize this, but the earth we live on actually will be renewed. Right now, all of creation is groaning for renewal. The, the world that we live in is not the world God intended for us to live in. So when we talk about creation from this passage, we're not talking about humankind in this particular context. We're, we're talking about geology, the rocks, the planet, the world of botany, animals. We're not talking about human right now. But that's the world of nature. And when Paul says, when the whole world of nature is groaning, why? Because something's wrong. Something went off. Things are functioning the way they weren't supposed to function. And you can tell the questions today, listen, is the world going to burn up? Is the world going to freeze, freeze up? What's going to happen to the ozone? Like what's happening? How come there's more hurricanes? There's mudslides. There's earthquakes. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that's, that's going on. But God has promised though, you, this is what you need to understand, that good things, if you're a believer, is coming for creation. But what's going to happen? And here's the question. Why does creation need to be renewed? What happened in the first place? And this, you have it on your, a sub-point on number one is this. All of creation is frustrated by the curse of sin. So there's, there's something wrong with nature. What went wrong with nature? Well, we find it in the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3. This is what God said to Adam. Because you listen to your wife, I will not make any jokes because I want a good afternoon with my wife. Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. That's what God said. Don't eat of it. And because you did, Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. This whole understanding here, God was not blaming the wife. Adam had the, had the role of being the one who's responsible. And so he listened to his wife, but his wife wasn't the one to blame. He was. He was the one to blame. And because Adam did, because Adam disobeyed God, cursed is the ground. So why the ground? It's important to understand that things are going wrong in nature because God gave Adam and Eve together, the responsibility of taking care of the Garden of Eden, taking care of, uh, of earth itself. And God gave man authority, and because man allowed sin into his life, that which he was to have authority over, that sin infected the earth. And man allowed sin in his life, and that flowed into creation, and he was responsible over it. That's why the earth is the way it is. It's the curse. It's the stain of sin that is on the earth, and that curse of sin is manifested in our world. That's what Paul's talking about here. So what else does this curse of sin do besides make thistles and thorns grow? Well, the next one is this. The curse of sin causes natural disasters. There were no natural disasters in the Garden of Eden. But now, because of sin, there are natural disasters. Flooding, hurricanes, tornadoes. Because man sinned, and since that, and since that time, 
all of creation has been frustrated, meaning not functioning the way that it was created to function. It is frustrated. That's what Paul was meaning in this passage out of verse 20. He says this, creation was subjected to frustration. Now look at this, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who was Adam who subjected it. So because of sin, the earth is the way it is today. It's kind of like this, Adam and Eve were the gatekeepers of the earth. They were gatekeepers of all of creation. And they opened the gate to sin. And what we see today is the result of that decision. And so how is all this going to be fixed? We'll talk about it in just a moment. And then the next, the next impact of the curse of sin is this. The curse of sin causes natural decay. So verse 21 out of this chapter says, creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay. So the earth, creation, is, is linked, it's chained to decay. It is in bondage to decay. In other words, it, there is no way it can get out of decay. It's happening. Regardless of, of, of what we do, it's happening. Now, can we be responsible? Yes. But the fact is, this world is winding down and it is decaying. Our planet is not getting any, any better. It's getting worse. It's winding down. The moment that sin entered the earth, the earth started to die. The Bible says creation is groaning. But here's the incredible thing. It's not a groan of death according to the scripture. It's a, it's a groan of something to come. It's the pains, the groans of childbirth. So listen, I've never, I've never experienced childbirth, nor do I ever plan to, but I've had some really good conversations, my wife and other people, women in my life, that they went through childbirthing pains. And I've been, I've been told it's one of the most painful experiences anybody can have. But, but that pain of childbirth is not a pain leading to death. It's a pain that's leading to new life. That's what Paul's talking about. So what's, what's, our, what's our hope for the future with creation? And then we'll move on to mankind. What's the hope for the, for the future? It's this, that creation will be reborn. The hope that we, for, for creation is that the earth will be reborn. The work of Christ on the cross, it, it undid the curse of sin. That there is a process of the fullness and the full um, embracing of that work of redemptive work will be experienced in the future, but we have not experienced everything of redemption today. That's what this passage is talking about. Yes, creation is frustrated because, because of the curse of sin, but also, also, Creation, though, at the return of Christ will be made brand new. The world of nature is literally going to be rejuvenated, reborn, uh, renovated, revived in the future. There's going to be what the Bible calls is this, a new heaven and a new earth. How many are looking forward to that? That's going to be a good day. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So uh, how's that going to happen? I don't get it. Well, Second Peter says this is what's going to happen. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In other words, yeah, you'll, you'll be able to see like, man, is, is Jesus returning? Is he not? I mean, there's these signs, prophetic signs. He could be returning any moment. But when Jesus returns, boom, it's going to be, whoa, I didn't, I wasn't ready. But here, here he is. And this is awesome. So you, you weren't expecting it. But the heavens will disappear when Jesus returns with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. But in keeping with his promise, and this is again, God is a promise keeping. Keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. This is our promise. This is our promise as believers. This is happening. This, not, this isn't a might. It is going to happen. And we get to experience it. Very interesting, the account of Noah. I'm sure maybe um, all of us are aware of that. But the account of Noah where God saved Noah and, and, and the animals and um, eight people total he saved and the animals from a flood. And God 
destroyed the earth from a flood because of the wickedness of the earth. But out of that came a promise. And the promise was a rainbow that says, that was the promise and symbol to Noah that God will never destroy the earth with a flood again. So it's also, just as a side note, it's important that the symbol of a rainbow belongs to God. It doesn't belong to a homosexual agenda. But we need to know it, it's, it's, it's God's symbol. He made it. He created it to remind us he's a promise-keeping God. I found it very interesting that when God rebirths the new heaven and the new earth, he's going to do it by fire and not water because he promised he would never do it again. But he will destroy the earth by fire, what scripture says, for the purpose of renewing it. God is going to rebirth a new heaven and a new earth. That's what's going to happen in the future. When Christ returns, after Christ, there's a thousand-year reign, and we will reign with him on the earth. After the great white throne of judgment, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And what I love out of Revelation is 22. So we've been talking how the curse of sin, the curse of sin, when God redoes the earth, no longer will there be any curse on the earth whatsoever. We'll be free from the curse of sin. But another good thing that's coming to fortify us, and it's very important to give you hope for the future. So many people are, are riddled with fear. What's going to happen in the future? Listen, I don't know the details of the present time, but I do know the facts of what will come. And this is your redemption as a follower of Jesus Christ. You will be redeemed completely and wholly. And so number two, what will happen when Christ returns, number two, Christians will experience total redemption. This is your absolute total guarantee. As Christians, there's a, as the scripture just said, there's an inward groaning inside of you. Verse 23 says this, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So you might think, wait a minute, I thought Pastor Evans said we were adopted. You are. That is, you were saved. Done. Done deal. Saved. But in order to understand what Paul's talking about, you need to remember the book of Romans was written to Romans. And so you need to go along the lines of adoption. And in the Roman culture, there were two stages of adoption. There was the private adoption ceremony, the document was signed, the family seal, your, your name was, was changed, you were adopted with full rights. But later, usually there was a public adoption ceremony. It was a, a public display of, of this person is in our home. So in keeping with that idea, when, when, you come to, when you came to Christ, there was a private adoption. You were sealed, you were adopted, and your, your name was changed, you had full rights, but the issue is you were still on this earth. But one day, there will be a full adoption, and the sons and daughters will experience a public declaration of your adoption. That's what Paul's talking about here. You see, you're, you're God's creation as well. And so we are groaning on the inside. We're groaning through life. And here's the truth. We're groaning through life with inescapable pains of a fallen creation. We are, we're living in it. This is not the new heaven. This is not the new earth. And so that we are struggling, financial struggles, tragedy, addictions, the effect of natural disasters on our life, broken relationships, terminal illness, and the inevitable for every one of us is death. So... What's going on? That groaning in us is recognizing, oh, we are groaning. We're longing to not be in this culture, in this curse of sin. We groan as our fallen flesh desires and desires to walk in, in relationship with God, enjoying complete, uninterrupted intimacy with our Creator, but we just can't. There's this, there, there are glimpses of it. There are times in God's presence. There's a closeness with Him. But the reality is this. We, we are not experiencing the full relationship, intimate relationship with God we once, we will have one day. It's like this. It's like we are children in an orphanage, our bags are packed, 
Abba Father, Daddy God, which this, um, this chapter talks about, is coming with completed adoption papers. He's, he's coming after you, and he, he's going to take you home. So while, yes, we've been adopted, yes, we've been saved, yes, we've been redeemed, there are still, please hear me today, there are still aspects of those realities of our redemption. There are aspects of what Jesus paid for on the cross for you that have not yet been fully fulfilled. That's our hope. The totality of it is coming. You can anchor your life to it. That's why we lift our eyes from our present sufferings and we put our hope in what is to come. But until then, it's important we understand that we are citizens of another kingdom living per se behind enemy lines and hostile territory. We, we've, we have only received the first part of our salvation and there's so much more to come. That's why Paul says we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit. What, what does he mean? Or you could even say has the deposit of the Spirit, meaning you, the first fruit isn't the whole harvest. God has something tremendous for you as you put your trust and your commitment in him. And that, this is what Paul's saying. The Holy Spirit in you is the first fruit of the full harvest to come. It's the first fruit of the full harvest. So in the Old Testament, when you would bring your first fruit, so if once the, the, the barley wheat was the first, um, the first bit of, of the barley that was to ripen and be ready, you would take that into the temple as an offering of your first fruits. But it was also a statement of that there is more to come. So the Holy Spirit that is in you, you received Jesus. You were you were called you were you were changed the condemnation on your life was removed you were forgiven for the first time you didn't have guilt of the sin that's in you that happened yes but that's not the full experience that you will have one day it's the first fruit of the full harvest that will come the spirit in you is the guarantee of what's to come and it's important that you know this that the quality of the first fruit Okay, so the quality of what, you, what the first fruit of the Holy Spirit is an indicator of how good the rest of the harvest is going to be. So you've received the Holy Spirit, you've been cleansed, you've been made new, you've been saved, you've been sanctified, you're, you're, you're free from guilt, free from shame, free from condemnation, you have God's favor on your life, you, you have the assurance of God, you have the relationship with God, but that is just an indicator of the incredible things that are to come. It's going to be incredible when you receive the full benefits of a child of God. And some you will receive here on this earth, absolutely. But you haven't received everything just yet. That is the hope that is to come. But I'll tell you this, it's coming because God promised it and it will come. So when will you experience full redemption? You'll experience at the return of Christ, our redemption will be completed. This is so important for you to understand and have your expectations biblically set on your life. There are things that you just won't experience here on this earth. You, you just won't. We, we, we live in a, in, a, in a fallen world. We are experiencing the curse of sin. That's why our bodies hurt. That's why, you know, you, you, you think, oh, no, hey, I, no, I'm saved. I'm not going to experience anything until you, like, you wake up in the morning and, you, and your hip hurts. And you don't know why that's hurting. And then your big toe hurts. You, why is that hurting? And then you got a headache. What's going on? It's because your flesh is not fully made whole yet. But it will. Do we seek God for healing? Yes. Do we believe God for healing? Yes. But is it, is it always guaranteed? No. But by faith, we lean into God. Redemption begins when you receive Jesus Christ. Our identity changes. Our souls are new. We are saved and sealed. But full, physical, emotional, and mental redemption is completed at the return of Jesus Christ. It's all, everything is made new again. Everything. Not only have your souls been saved, but when Jesus returns, we get the full harvest, which is complete holistic redemption in our lives. So what else is going to happen in our lives at that moment? 
Well, at the return of Christ, the dead in Christ will rise. When Jesus returns, the dead in Christ will rise. That's why 1 Thessalonians says this, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump call of God, trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. This is the glorification of Christians. Your faith not only matters on this earth, it matters on the next earth. When a Christian dies, we know that their spirit and their soul is immediately with the Father. That's why Paul says to be absent from, with, absent from the body, you are present with the Lord. But one day, Jesus is going to come back. And those bodies are going to be resurrected and united with their spirits and renewed and rejuvenated and made brand new. So if you've died before Christ's return, or if you've lost loved ones, you can rest assured at the return of Christ, you're going to be fully raised and changed and made whole. D death of our bodies is not final as a believer in Jesus Christ. It's not final. It will happen. Every one of us in this room will die of something. But at the return of Jesus Christ, your bodies will be resurrected, your souls, your spirits will be united with your body, and you will be made new. The full redemption of Jesus on the cross, conquering death, hell, and the grave, resurrecting, resurrecting, conquering death, hell, and the grave for you. Therefore, you are united with him and raised with a new body. That's a good day. How many here are looking forward to a new body? Come on, amen, I am, yeah. But he's going to raise those dead bodies, dead Christians. He's going to renovate them. He's going to renew them. He's to fully redeem the bodies of those who have passed on. So you think, well, what about those who, who were burned to death? How does he do that? What about those who, who were lost at sea and, and years ago and they were eaten by fish, who were eaten by fish, who were eaten by fish? How's God going to track all that down? How's he going to do that? What about someone who's buried thousands of years ago? They've decayed and turned to dust. And what about them? Well, here's, here's the truth. Whether you've been cremated or whatever it may be, since God is the creator of every atom and every molecule, he's the creator of matter itself. God is not limited by what condition the molecule of the human body, the believer's human body is in, or where it's located on the earth. He will just speak the word. The body will come back together and will be redeemed because he's God. That's how it works. But what about us who are still living when Christ returned? Well, that's this next point, which is at the return of Christ, living Christian bodies will be changed. So this is, the, this is what the hope of the glory that Paul's talking about, the groanings of creation and the groanings of humanity. It's important we understand these things because so many times, even in relationships, we seek the perfect relationship. You need to understand there is no such thing. People leave, leave committed marriages to go find another perfect relationship and the problem is they take themselves with them and then the person they're with is not perfect either. And so we chase something that we'll, we will never fully experience here on this earth. So that's why we stay faithful. That's why we stay anchored. That's why we stay hopeful. That's why we work through things as a, as a church, as through, as in relationships. We put our trust in God. That's why we don't jump and look for the, the new heaven and the new earth because it's not here yet. But we stay faithful to God and we anchor our lives that our hope is to come. I'm going to be faithful with, with what God's told me to do here on this earth. 1 Corinthians Chapter 15 says this. This is Paul writing. He says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep. In other words, we won't all die. But we will be changed. In a flash. In the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised. Imperishable. And we will be changed. So the dead are raised. And are renewed. But those living... We will also be changed instantaneously, healed instantaneously. No more pain, no, no, no more high blood pressure, no more MS, no more pills, no more 
mental anguish. No more anxiety. No more. No more depression. We will be. Not we might be. We will be made new. We will experience the complete and utter total redemption of why Jesus went to the cross and rose from the dead. We will experience the full harvest of our faith in Jesus Christ. We will be completed and totally redeemed souls and bodies. That's where our hope lies. That's why we never give up when we're hurting. We don't throw in the towel when we, we, we're struggling to have hope because the glory to come is so much greater than our present suffering. So when we look to Jesus, when we read Romans chapter 8 and it talks about the groaning of creation and the groaning of humanity, we look to what is to come, Jesus Christ. He will complete the good work that he began in you. He won't quit. He will complete it. He will do it. We seek, yes, after his promises here on this earth. We seek for healing. We believe for his power. We experience our relationship with him. But one day, listen, you won't need to pray for anything anymore. You, you, here's the other thing. One day you won't need faith anymore because your faith will be realized. Because you will experience full redemption in Jesus Christ. That is, will be our glorification as a believer. It will be completed and your faith will be made whole. But what do we do until then? That's the real question. We hunker down and run for our lives and freak out and oh my gosh, well, the world's going to hell and we're, you know, what's, what's going on? No, no, hang on, hang on, hang on. You have a mission by God to occupy until he comes. Occupy is a verb. Occupy is you are to bring forth the kingdom of God wherever you are. Whatever God's called you to do, you're to do it. You're to get after it. You're to make a difference. Listen, we're, we're, not, we're not hunkering down in the church and, you know, we, the church is running out the back door because the devil's coming in the front door. What are you talking about? That, that's not the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. We are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. We are those who, that, that we charge the gates of hell with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. So our promise is coming. But if you think this is the final resting place, if you think that, that this is all about just here and, and now, then you're just gonna, you're gonna, gonna go into preservation mode. Listen, God didn't call you to go into preservation mode. He called you to push against the gates of hell, wherever he's called you to do that. He's called you to be people of righteousness. He, he's called you to be a light a city on a hill that regardless of the darkness around us, our light will never be hidden. He's called you to say, God, what do you want me to do? And this is my challenge to you today. Okay, the world is winding down. Our bodies are winding down. What are you going to do with the time that you have left? What are you going to do? That's my question to you. And I think for believers, it's time we start asking questions. God, what do you want me to do? What do, what do you want me to go after? God, who can I help? Listen, I tell you, what, we, need, we need some Daniels and we need some Josephs. We need people who are standing up. We need people who are saying, all right, God, I'll do what you want me to do. Now, here's my challenge to you. I want to challenge you to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? Okay. Me. So yourself, God, what do you want me to do? And whatever God whispers to you and tells you, here, here's my challenge. Do it. Be a light. Do it. Here's my other challenge. What God speaks to you when you ask that question, do not get frustrated that God didn't speak that to somebody else. Whatever passion God puts in your heart, you're responsible between you and God. Don't condemn or shame anyone else because they're not doing it your way. You be faithful to God and what he's called you to do. 
And if, if we do this, if you ask the question and you do it and every one of us in this room does it, everyone joining us online does this, you know what happens? We begin to bring forth the righteousness of the kingdom of God on this earth. We begin to save people who are lost. We begin to say, how can I shine for Jesus? Listen, we're not, we're not, we're not backing down. I can't get in. We can't do anything. We just got to wait for Jesus to return. What are you talking about? Jesus has called you to, to rule and reign. You were, you were saved and covered, purchased by his blood as kings and priests to be a holy priesthood, to do something on this earth that reaches the lost, that serves, that you can shine like light, that, that exposes the darkness. That's what he's called you to be. Listen, we need godly politicians. We need people who are Jesus following on fire for Jesus. Come on, bring it on. I'm a righteous man of God, woman of God. And you say, God, do you want me to do that? Yes. Come on, let's get after it. We need lawyers who, who can lean in and say, listen, I'm a follower. I'm a daughter of God. Don't mess with me. I know where I'm at. I know what's going on. And you would shine like a bright light. We need doctors who have the mind of Christ that say that have, God said, I want you to be a doctor and I want you to be my witness. Then by golly, do it. Be a light that shines. Do not conform to the, to the world, but be transformed as you get into whatever it is God's called you to do. A construction worker. Work at King Supers. Whatever your job is, say this, God, I want to be a light that shines. And as we do that, as we do that, God can use us. Remember, you have one life. Remember, your body is winding down. Remember, this earth is winding down. Remember, Christ is returning. What are you going to do between this moment and when he does return? We need our young people filled with the fire of God to be what he's called them to be. Wherever that is, if it's a missionary, do it. If it's helping human trafficking to dismantle that and expose the filthy, filthy darkness. The fact is there are more slaves today on the earth than there ever has been in the history of mankind today. Who's going to do something about it? Who's going to do something about it? Who's going to be that voice for them? Who? Somebody needs to. And I think for so long as Christians, we've thought, no, well, that's not our place. And, you know, we can, well, I'm just going to witness and, 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 and just be a nice person. Listen, the call of God is to push and beat back the strategies of the devil, to put on the full armor of God. You don't put armor. Listen, you, you don't put armor on to sit in a hot tub. You put armor on to, to take care of business. You need to know you're a part of the church that's called to make a difference, to speak up, to be light, to share the gospel, to be bold, to be strong, to be courageous, to not be, not, not, not be backing up and say, I can't do that. I can't get involved with that. I can't, I can't get in politics. I can't get involved in, in media. I can't get involved. Who said? Jesus said, you shine, you be salt, you be light and bring my kingdom into wherever you are. You need to do that. If it's in your business, then you run that business to the glory of God. If that's what God speaks to you when you ask him, what do you want me to do? Then by golly, get after it in the name of Jesus. This is the call of God for believers. It's time for the church to rise up and to be people of authority, to be people that don't back down, to be people that aren't wishy-washy, limp-wristed. No, we're going to push in. We're going to get it done because that's the call of God on your life. What does God want you to do for his kingdom? Answer that question. And then in the name of Jesus, by the grace of God, do it. Do it. What is that? Maybe you feel it now. Do it. Just take a moment and bow your heads just for a second. Lord, your scripture says that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the earth, seeking a heart that's fully committed. Lord, May your eyes stop on me because I said yes to you. May you use me to be 
what only I can be. May you use me to be righteous in a dark world. May you use me to be a voice. May you use me to be a leader in government where scripture says, where righteous leads, the people are blessed. Where evil leaders rule, the people groan. Lord, use me to be a leader. Use me to stand up for righteousness when no one else will. Use me to overturn the fact that we can freely have abortions in this country. Use me to be a voice for those young girls and boys who are trafficked by the thousands and thousands every day. Use me to be a light on my construction site that I would bring the glory of God into every nail I hit in and that men think, who is this man? What's different about him? Use me to be a light in the midst of any situation as a doctor, as a lawyer, working in the food industry, working in media, Use me. God, I pray right now that you would anoint the church to be what you originally called us to be. To be a group of people that don't, that aren't just subject to authorities and governing rules, but you would call us to be the ecclesia, the one who, who initiates government rule, who sets righteous laws into place. Use us, God. To be people of strength and courage. To be people that's, that, that have, that have a, a tongue that has been anointed by you. That has a mind that can think through issues because they have the mind of Christ. God, use us and give us the courage to step into the place that we're freaked out. But we know that you promise that as we move forward, when we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit will tell us what to say. That you will open doors. You will set us before kings. You will set us before leaders. You'll set us before bosses. You will set us before people who own companies, influential people. You will set us there and place us there so we can bring forth the kingdom on this earth. God, may we actually believe that you can do all things. May we actually believe that with man it's impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. God, I ask you now that you would raise up the church so that we could be a part of the great harvest that is coming before your return. In every sector of society, may we bring forth your kingdom. And may we say yes to you. Whatever it is that you say, we're going to say yes. Father, anoint us to be bondage breakers. Anoint us to be evil exposers. Anoint us to create laws that protect our children from agendas that are anti-God. Anoint us to be what you called us to be. Just remain with your heads bowed just for a moment. If you're here today or you're joining us online and you realize, I don't know Jesus. And if he was to return tomorrow, I wouldn't be found as one of his children. And if you want to give your life to Jesus right now, don't let this moment slip. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and hold it up right where you are. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Keep it. Keep it high. This is your moment. Anyone else just raise your hand, wave it at me. Nobody's looking around. God bless you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you're joining us online, you can do the same. Just lift your hand right where you are. And if you want to give your life to Jesus, it's very simple. You just acknowledge you're a sinner. You just believe in him and you commit your life to him. And we're gonna lead you through a prayer. And if that's you today, you pray this with all of your heart. Scripture says you will be saved. Church, let's pray together. Lord Jesus. I acknowledge I'm a sinner and I need you. 
I put my trust in you today. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead. And I believe you're coming back again. Today I commit my life to you. And with your help, I will follow you all the days of my life. Help me to be a light that shines. Help me to make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand today. If you, if you gave your life to Jesus today, I just want to ask you to do me one small, small thing. And just text SAVE to the number on the screen, and we'll get you all the information. We want to help you on this journey, whether you're online or here live. Text SAVE to the number on the screen. Don't leave here without doing that, because God wants to use you to do something incredible. Say yes to Him. Let's take this step together. Let's all stand to our feet. I just want to pray over you and bless you today. I'm grateful to be gathered here with you and grateful for those online. I will say this, I'm believing that this church, Faith, we are about to step into our finest hour of what it means to be a Bible-believing, God-fearing, righteous-loving, filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, tearing down strongholds, making a difference kind of church. That's what I want. So if you can, just lift your hands to receive from the Lord today. Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray you would anoint every person online right here with a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit to be the voice they need to be, to say yes to you in the areas they need to say yes to you, to set their sights upon the hope that is coming, filled with an urgency to do what you called them to do before that day comes. We look forward to it. We're so excited about it. But God, let us do something amazing. May the world around us speak about us as they spoke about the disciples in the book of Acts. Those people are the ones that have turned the world upside down. Lord, let that be us. Let us go forth in power and anointing. Let us cast off every sin that hinders us and keeps us from running the race that you spoke to us to run. So, Lord, we leave today understanding your hands on my life. I'm anointed. I'm called of you. I'm a priest. Your hand is on me so I can rule and reign because I don't belong to myself. I have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. I will do what you tell me to do. I will let go of my life and I will embrace your life for me. God, anoint us. Let us leave here with a new fire in our belly. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen. God bless you guys.